Salutations, peace, and blessings. You are listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am the host of this glorious podcast, The Commission, and I am doing a special Monday night edition uh, of this episode of the podcast, talking about the first Monday night game played in Las Vegas. Uh, I did say yesterday that I would make it a priority to make sure that I address the um, the game, the Monday night game, along with the uh, game balls for week two of the NFL season. Uh, before I go into all that, let me just start first by saying, I want to say a few things, but the first thing that comes to my mind is that I read recently, just maybe over the last hour or so, I read on ESPN.com that the league, the NFL, has fined three coaches in the NFL $100,000 each for not wearing a mask during the game. Now, I believe the coaches have been warned to this point as to wearing the mask. However, I believe with a lot of these coaches, perhaps it's uncomfortable, perhaps it's it's not of the mindset to wear a mask while coaching, perhaps it's their own ignorance, but the NFL is cracking down on this. And what I don't understand is when you're talking about the NFL and you're talking about the coaches, the issue I have is the fact that they don't take it, they don't make it a priority to try to at least make the attempt of having the mask around your face at the time of coaching. Now, there are options that these coaches could make as far as to protect the players and to protect the team from any type of passing of the virus, dare we say. Uh, But it's just the fact that we are at a point now going into the mid-month of September uh, that we're still talking about how imperative it is to have masks on. This is where I feel as though society has broken down what the importance is when it comes to things like this that are high priority. Things like masks, social distancing, and of course, in the worldwide of sports, uh, we, we understand that such things are limited. Uh, if you're coaching team, <laughs> be it basketball, football, baseball, we're going to have a very small number of people that are abiding by the rules of social distancing and wearing masks. And that is relative. And what this league, the NFL, is trying to do is minimize the number of COVID viruses or COVID cases uh, throughout the league so that people are not getting sick. And you've got coaches that you've warned already to keep the mask on. And the coaches say, okay, no problem. And then the week two rolls around and you still don't wear the mask. Listen, I understand the, uh, how, how, I can understand how wearing a mask can be a, um, it can be cumbersome. It could be, uh, it, it, it could be an interference. It could be annoying. It, it, it could be irritating. You know, it, it, these things come with, the priorities that we take on. It, t- it comes with the uh, precautions that stem throughout the country. 
So it's not just the fact that the NFL coaches need to wear a mask. The majority of people in this country need to wear a mask. And I can't see how when we're talking about football, how there are certain people that have certain privileges. That word has been very popular the last few weeks, privileges. I don't see how these coaches get privileges to be able to wear the mask when they feel fit. And even tonight's game between the Raiders and the Saints, I don't mean to call these guys out, but I didn't see Gruden with a mask on. I saw it around his chin, which is not the proper place to have a mask. And I, and I saw that uh, uh, Sean Payton had one around his neck, but that's not where the mask is supposed to be either. We have to set the example on this platform in the NFL in professional sports to, to set the example that if we're supposed to wear the mask, we're going to do such things. And it, like I said, it doesn't have to just relate to just wearing a mask. You could wear a face guard knowing that that is also eligible. That's something that, that can be accepted amongst league rules, but you don't wear that either. So what exactly are you trying to do to make sure that you're not spreading this virus, whether you have it or not, you're taking for granted you're not going to get it because a lot of what you've been doing to this point, uh, based on what I understand every day, is you're, you're getting your temperature checked to see if there is a, a possibility that there is a chance that you may have the coronavirus. And fortunately for the NFL, up until now, they haven't had any cases of any players or coaches with the threat of the virus, which is commendable. It's remarkable that they have made it the priority and they're doing a great job following league orders. But these coaches, for some reason, they just drive me mad. I, I, it's, I think it's just more so the fact that these coaches feel as though they're above league rules. They're above the law. They're above whatever priorities there are. It doesn't fit them. They feel it's uncomfortable. Stop it. If you know the NFL wants for you to have on these masks, don't be the next idiot to get fined $100,000 that you got to come out your pocket for because you have the mask on and didn't want to put it over your mouth and nose. Come on. And it was just three coaches thus far that were fined $100,000 each. That's not to say that Peyton and Gruden may not follow the same uh, the same suit, because the truth of the matter is I didn't see it over their faces either. So they may suffer the same penalties. But I mean, this, this is all avoidable. Everything that we talked about is avoidable. You can you can avoid being in this position where you don't have to be fine knowing that you have that mask with you anyway. It's on your face. Just put it over your face while you're coaching. Should not be an issue. Should be a better and bigger and higher priority. And the NFL is doing their best to do just that. These coaches got to get on the ball. Don't think you're bigger than the NFL. Don't think you're bigger than the league. You have a rule or rules that you got to set in place as well. So says the commission. I want to thank everybody that's been uh, listening to my podcast to this point. It's a big, it's important to me. It, it's huge to me to make sure that when I have these 
podcasts, these shows, these episodes that I'm, I give you guys something to digest, something that you can take in. And whether you agree about what I have to say or not, it's just more so the fact that as much fun as I have to do this, I want to try to make this as informative and as influential. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of deep, but it's really not that deep. It's all about fun, but there's got to be some sustenance behind what I have to say. And I try to give this to you every time I'm on this mic. So, again, I thank those that have been listening. I appreciate it. And I want to go into um, one thing I want to talk about outside of what I talked about with the coaches and mask. I want to concentrate on the Dallas Atlanta game for a few minutes. And let me just shout out all the Dallas fans that are listening to this podcast. Let me tell you something. I have nothing against the fans whatsoever. I know many Dallas Cowboys fans, and they should still be on that nostalgic high after last night's win against the Falcons. Uh, the, The probability of that team winning last night was 2% going into that onside kick that they pulled off to win the game 40 to 39. But before the the onside kick and before the scores and all that other things that was going on, there was a play that took place that if you call this play correctly, Dallas doesn't win this game. I'm pretty sure. I'm willing to bet anybody the amount of money in my wallet, which is not much, that if this play is not confirmed a catch Dallas doesn't win the game and I want to concentrate on Dallas along with the teams in the NFC East I did concentrate on the AFC North last week and I want to touch a little bit on the eight the NFC East for just a few minutes but that game bothered me it bothered me more so because of the fact that I am not a huge Dallas Cowboys fan and the reason why I'm not a fan is more so the fact that with Dallas they get away with so much in the NFL now of course my Dallas Cowboys fans are saying Commish you're wrong you have no clue what you're talking about okay fine but let me just point out the fact that there was a play I believe in the fourth quarter Michael Gallup, great athlete, terrific athlete. He's, he's probably one of my favorite receivers in the NFL, in spite of the fact he plays for Dallas. He is definitely a number one receiver on any other team. It just so happens that he's playing behind Imani Cooper. But Michael Gallup catches a pass from Dak Prescott that puts him in a position to score that touchdown uh, before they lead to the field goal, if I'm correct, or what have you. So, at any rate, let me just play it out. Gallup catches the ball, and he catches the ball one foot inbounds, but then he lands half inbounds, half out of bounds, and they reviewed his play for probably two minutes, and they ruled that it was, it was a catch, that apparently he caught it with his backside being inbounds while his his elbow and the ball is out of bounds so (laughs) i'm laughing because it's amazing that if you were if there was about 14 games going on uh on sunday 
I'm correct, 14 games. Now, if you had 14 games and you had 14 receivers, including Gallup, to make that type of play where part of your body is inbounds while part of your body is out of bounds, I've got to believe outside of the ruling on the Dallas game, every other receiver would have been out of bounds. Without fail, without any further thought, There is no way in the NFL where any receiver being partially out of bounds would be able to be ruled inbounds because his foot touched and his backside touched inbounds while his arm and the ball is out of bounds. He had the catch. So don't get me wrong. He caught the ball. Caught the ball partially inbounds, partially out of bounds. That is an out-of-bounds catch. That is an incomplete catch. But because it's Dallas, because they're 0-1 going to this game against Atlanta, because Atlanta's kicking their tail, because Atlanta's up by 29, 39 points on this team, they had to balance out the game to allow Dallas an opportunity to win that game. And despite the low percentages of them winning the game, guess what? They still won. And they won with the help of the refs. And this is what bothers me about referees when they're dealing with a team like a Dallas team, or perhaps they're dealing with any other team that's against the Redskins. Oh, excuse me, Washington's football team. They're no longer the Redskins. That's my bad. However, Washington cannot buy a call to win a game. And it's amazing how we look at how the dynamics of each game goes into play from the first quarter to the last quarter. And should there be an extended quarter, it just seems as though when we're talking about refereeing a game, officiating a game, there is an imbalance of what we determine is the right call for what is a bad call. Never mind the fact it's the wrong call. It's a bad call. That Gallup reception was a bad call. It wasn't so much the fact that it was the wrong call. The man was out of bounds. His arm is out of bounds. When he landed on his backside, his arm was already out of bounds. So how is that an inbounds play? How is that a completed pass? And I don't get any explanation because I guess the commission is not that popular. I'm, I'm not that popular let, yet, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not there yet. I'm not at the point where I can make this kind of fuss. I can talk my mind and people can respond to what I feel. So with the help of you guys, be it this evening or throughout whatever po- whatever podcast episodes I do, please help me out here. Because there's, if there's one thing I cannot stand is when you officiate a game to allow a team that's getting their butts rocked an opportunity to win because of the fact of the status of the team. Because it's the Dallas Cowboys, we got to give Dallas the fighting chance to win. Even though they're getting the snot knocked out of them, We've got to give Dallas a chance to win. I don't like that because it's the Washington football team and they're an abysmal team that cannot move the ball on offense, that has a fairly decent game on defense. 
we've got to make sure these guys can't get a call at all. I don't know how many pass interference calls there were. I, I saw one play, I think Haskins gets hit, and he gets hit around the, the helmet, and there's no call. Last I checked, Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, the starting quarterback of Washington's football team, and he doesn't get a call. What's the problem with this picture? If you don't mind me ranting a little bit about this, the problem with this picture is this. We want to favor a lot of these teams that we know in the eye, in the public eye, in the marketing eye, has all the chances in the world to become that marketing team to get people to watch more of this team than any other team to provide whatever revenue comes the way of the NFL. The NFL still needs that money. They still need the money to come in. So you're looking at the Baltimore Ravens. You're looking at the Dallas Cowboys. You're looking at the New England Patriots. You may be looking at the Philadelphia Eagles. You may be looking at the Los Angeles Rams. You definitely looking at the Kansas City Chiefs. And you can say whatever it is you want about these teams. They're good teams. They're good teams in that they find ways to win doesn't mean that the talent is that much better than a lot of these other teams. It just so happens for what fits in their field, what fits in their team, in their locker room, it's working. So we give these teams the credit. We give them the nod because of the synergy that's connected amongst team, players, coaches, what have you. And they're successful. They're fairly successful throughout the regular season going into the postseason. And so we give credit for that. And the commission does give credit for those teams that play well. And when you look at the division like Dallas and Washington, and the Giants have suffered a huge blow with the loss of Saquon Barkley and Philadelphia, many people believe this is the worst division in the NFL because of the gameplay that each team excuse me takes on where the efficiency is a lot lower when it comes to wins and losses because a lot of those wins are so much closer to the number of losses you've had for the year a, a team could win a division with a 9 to 7 record a team could win that division with an 8 and 8 record and people are up in arms about it because they don't think that that's fair. We NFC East doesn't know how to play ball. They they don't know how to uh, be successful. They don't they don't know how it is to, to dominate during the schedule. Well, well, hold up. Every division has an opportunity to have one represented team from that division go to the playoffs. So what difference does it make as to how they play football? As long as somebody from that division wins a division be it nine and seven be it eight and eight washington the giants the cowboys the eagles these teams play just as hard as the majority of teams that play in the league today but the what bothers me is the fact that even when they're not playing well we still want to give them credit for wins during the season Wins that they didn't earn, like that win that Dallas had last night against Atlanta. They didn't earn that win. It, they were coerced. They were they were they were kind of 
pushed in a position. They were, they were moved into a position where if you do this well, you could win the game. And it just so happens that they won. And everybody's ecstatic in that stadium. And you see Jerry Jones clap. And give me a break. That team had every right in the world to lose last night. The fact that they didn't lose, what can you say? What can you do? What's done is done. They're now one and one, tied for first place, of course, with Washington. And time will tell before we really see what type of team Dallas has. But what saves Dallas, the advantage Dallas really has is the fact that they do have a talented team that when playing in all cylinders have the best opportunity of winning that division. And and this is the reason why we give Dallas so much praise is because of the fact that we know that they're a talented team. And in spite of perhaps lousy coaching, not taking anything away from McCarthy because he's only been there two days or, or six months or what have you. It's just the fact that we can't allow teams to, to, to receive more credit for what they deserve if other teams can't get the same credit for what they've done during the season thus far. We're only two weeks in, and I get all that. Washington played their hearts out against Philly, and they struggled big time against Arizona at Arizona. And I guess this was coming. Colin Murray still had a wonderful game, but it's the fact that you don't even allow Washington a chance to get a third of the calls that that weren't made. A third of those calls, they didn't even see hit the ground. You didn't see no laundry, no yellow flags on the ground, a lot of things that Washington had to take on. And of course, I'm a homer, so I'm going to see all this from the door being a huge Washington fan. But the point of the matter is for what one team deserves You have to give it to the other teams as well. If you feel as though Dallas deserves a few calls to go their way, why can't Washington? Why can't Philly? There were some calls that that, um, the refs missed in the Philly game against the Rams. What's the deal? How is it that the Rams get the favor of the calls and they're the away team? Philly's struggling with a team that's decimated with injuries and they can't get two calls going their way. It's amazing how these referees... Or dare I say, the officiating dictates the flow, dictates the momentum of a game. I don't like that. There shouldn't be any person that should be able to dictate the the flow of the game outside of what the players are trying to do to win. They've got to play 60 minutes of this, and the refs just have to officiate to make sure the proper calls are made. But you got to make the proper calls. Got to. So says the commission. I, I can go on and on with this. But for what the NFC East brings to the table, I, I, I can honestly see how Dallas has the golden opportunity to win a division. And it's by default, in large part, because people are either decimated by injuries or they're not going to have that team that's structured well enough to even get those calls in their favor. So a team like Washington or a team like the, the, the Giants, you forget it, you know, and, and the fact that what we see now with Saquon Barkley going down for the season, what chance does the Giants have of perhaps even winning the division, more or less even making a wild card spot? And I guess the same could be said for Washington, but I'm going to keep rooting for my boys. Because if anybody has the advantage right now, it's Washington right now sitting tied for first place. But I digress.
So with that being said, week two's game balls. I like to give out game balls during the week for the athletes. I say athletes. Let me just say these talented football players that really bring it to they 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 bring the house. These guys play hard. They play ball. These dudes ball out. And I love to see how these guys ball even now so with such a uh, 2020 season that's so uh right now it's it's completely unpredictable as far as the health of these players take on we're, we're seeing so many people drop like flies left and right due to injuries and i'm just that concerned about how things will be moving forward for the next few weeks let's hope and pray it doesn't get any worse than it has already game balls for the quarterbacks for week two now <laughs> I think Russell Wilson gets a game ball every week. But, you know, I just love Russell Wilson. That's my boy. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Uh, my goodness. I like Lamar Jackson, too. Patrick Mahomes. I like I like the brothers. These brothers are going out there, and they're balling. They're showing the world that, hey, black quarterbacks matter, too. And for Russell Wilson, that brother gets another game ball for this week. 28 passes. 288 yards throwing five touchdowns. How can you ignore that from a Russell Wilson against a very tight game against what I believe is a very good New England Patriots team with Cam Newton in the helm. He almost threw for 400 yards. I give him a game ball. He didn't lose because that man almost threw for 400 yards and almost won that game in Seattle. And mind you, they had no fans. So it just proves to show just how well played this New England Patriot team is going to be moving forward. That's why I have them winning the division. And I predicted that even before they brought in Cam Newton. But I love Cam. Cam had a great game, but I'm giving the game ball to Russell Wilson. And I try to give two for each position. So the second game ball has to go to Josh Allen. Big up to Josh Allen in Buffalo. This man threw the ball 35 times, completed 24 of those passes for 417 yards and four big touchdowns. Career highs for him in his young career. Big up to Josh Allen and Russell Wilson for the running backs. Should be no-brainers. Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers. This man had 236 total scrimmage yards. He had 168 yards rushing alone and three total touchdowns and a huge win against Detroit. And I got to show some love to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb from UGA, the Dogs of Georgia. Nick Chubb ran the ball 22 times for 124 yards for two touchdowns Thursday night against the Bungles. I'm sorry, the Bengals of Cincinnati. Great game for that brother. I like him too. I like where his career is going. Let's say they keep, let's just see that they keep him in Cleveland. That's what I'm hoping for. For the receivers. Now, for the receivers, it's a little different. I got uh, three receivers that deserve recognition, two of them being tight ends, because tight ends don't really get a lot of recognition. But I got to show some love to two tight ends. I'm going to do that tonight. But I'm going to start by giving Stefan Diggs some love. Stefan from Maryland. Shout out to them people out there in Baltimore County and Arundel County 
and all out there in Maryland. Went to University of Maryland. Stefan Diggs for the Buffalo Bills had eight receptions for 153 yards and a touchdown. He deserves a game ball. Uh, I'd give one to Julian Edelman. The guy had almost 180 yards receiving, but he lost. But I, I still like the fact that Julian Edelman had a great game. Don't get me wrong. He had an outstanding game. But these are for the winners. As my man Michael Singletary said, Michael Singletary said, I want winners. And that's what I'm representing tonight, the winners. And so I want to give Stefan Diggs some love. I want to give two tight ends some love tonight. Tyler Higby from the Rams, Los Angeles Rams, had five receptions, 54 yards, three touchdowns, and a blowout win against Philadelphia. And just tonight, Darren Waller. I don't know how many people know of Darren Waller. He was signed by the Baltimore Ravens before they let him go. He had a, a substance problem, a substance abuse problem, what have you. And now he's playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. And this man balled out in their home field in Las Vegas against the Saints tonight. I want to show this brother some love because he really plays some good ball. Had 12 receptions, almost tied his record of 13 receptions, but he had 12 receptions, 103 yards, catching, and one touchdown. These are the gentlemen for week two that deserve game balls. Uh, and, you know, every week I'm going to recognize more people out there that deserve game balls. And and, and and truth of the matter is these guys get game balls because of the fact that 2-0 going into the season. Uh, of course, a lot's going to change. Naturally, they're going to, things are going to change. But you just love to see how this season's going to unfold. And with that being said, I'll have more for you guys coming up this week when the Jaguars play the Dolphins. Thursday night. I will touch on that again in a few days. Again, I am the Commish, and you have been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I wish everybody the best this week. Thanks again for listening. Peace and love to those out there. Be safe. I'm out. <laughs>